0: Hey everybody, Uh, it's come to be time to talk about 2 plus 2. So you're listening to the New Discourses podcast, this is James Lindsay. I have to warn you, this is going to be kind of super long and maybe a bit annoying and a little bit heavy. There's just no other way to explain it. So we'll jump right in, try to talk about what this is all about. As many of you will have noticed on my Twitter feed in particular, but also around Twitter more generally... And in now some significant media outlets, people are starting to talk about 2 plus 2 and what it equals. Does it equal 4? Does it equal something else? And I wrote an article on New Discourses about a week ago talking about this called 2 plus 2 never equals 5 to explain the backstory and explain some of the material around it. And now here I am recording a podcast about it as well. So the basic backstory to kind of give you some some idea of how this absurd situation where we now have people who identify themselves with social justice and then mathematicians and math educators beyond that defending the idea that 2 plus 2 equals 5, how that came about, how that happened, has a lot to do with me as it turns out. Um, In many respects it's my fault. Way back in June, right after everything sort of blew up, I started this line of satirical little quippy, uh, almost devil's dictionary style uh, meme cards that I started putting on on Twitter and, and Instagram called Woke Minis. And one of my Woke Minis resulted from a conversation I had in a direct message with somebody who was asking me to explain how the postmodern ideology, uh, the critical social justice ideology in particular were to think about a concept like 2 plus 2. I was asked, would they say 2 plus 2 equals 5? Would they say 4? Would they say 3? What would they say? And I tried to explain that the answer is actually that 2 plus 2 can equal 4, but it can also equal other things. So the the exact phrasing I said was 2 plus 2 equals doesn't matter. And then they would add on to this that the idea that 2 plus 2 equals 4 comes from a hegemonic narrative about mathematics or hegemonic discourse within mathematics and therefore should be held suspiciously. This led me to write a woke mini for 2 plus 2. I wrote it like a dictionary entry like all the woke minis and it says 2 plus 2 equals 4, a perspective in white western mathematics that marginalizes other possible values. So this was the beginning of June that I first put this on Twitter and as I had hoped my followers would then download that and put it on Twitter where you know, they thought it might apply. So about a month later, the beginning of July, the 5th of July, Nicole Hannah-Jones of the 1619 Project made fun of my little woke mini-card about 2 plus 2 equals 4. She, quote, tweeted somebody who had tagged it under one of her other tweets, and she wrote, Using Arabic numerals to try to make a point about white Western superiority is just so damn classic. So what Nicole Hannah-Jones here was doing, you'll notice she didn't say that I was wrong. She, wasn't, she didn't say that I mischaracterized the position, the woke position, as it would say is self-contained on the meme. Woke many, uh, 2 plus 2 equals 4 is a perspective in white Western mathematics that marginalizes other possible values. She did not say that I was wrong about that because she can't, because it is correct. That is the way that the woke ideology would think about 2 plus 2 equals 4. Instead, she tried to problematize it. She basically admitted that I was right by doing so, but rather than trying to refute this or say this is ridiculous or this is an unfair characterization, none of which are true, she said that I used Arabic numerals to try to make a point about white Western superiority and that this is so damn classic. Like, I don't even know how problematic I am because I'm obviously white and Western, and therefore it's a big problem. So... Once Nicole Hannah-Jones got involved, it became a thing, but little did most of us realize that it was already kind of a thing, because in the, con- the broader context of what, was, what is and has been going on for years is a, a very particular kind of activism in mathematics education particularly that is trying to introduce either an ethnic studies mathematics program or uh, what one researcher has called mathematics. I think that's how you would say it. It's spelled mathematic all the way to the C, or to the T. Um, it's very hard to say this. And then just ends with an X. It's not, not ends with T-I-X. It ends in T-X. Like it just, the word just stops. And that that's Rochelle Gutierrez who who's come up with mathematics. I'm not exactly sure if that's how you would pronounce such a thing. They are fans of unpronounceable words, kind of as a signal to people that they're doing their woke thing. Well, within the context of these uh, math education uh, radicals, revolutionaries really, we have one, and I apologize if I've mispronounced her, her name. I've tried to, to look it up and find out, and it didn't return results. Uh, Shraddha Sharude, uh, the secretary director of the Washington State Ethnic Studies Project, and uh, she's an ethnic math teacher, and she's been creating and and disseminating a program that has now been installed in the Seattle city schools it will probably be extended to the Washington state school systems. And in some sense it's being used as a model for uh, an ethnic studies program that's up to become law in the state of California. So this is a significant activist in terms of her reach and influence. And she explicitly tied the issue of 2 plus 2 equals 5 to her ethno-mathematics education project by looking for a way to make two plus two equals five true in order to come overcome objections that were being levied against her and her radical activist work. So there is a broader context here. So right after Nicole Hannah-Jones tweeted making fun of this, a number of uh, math educators, primarily activists within math education, started to try to argue that, that it is in fact um, a white Western social construct and belief about knowledge that two plus two equals four and then four or five days later, I think five days later, we have uh, Sherude coming in and making the point. Uh, she, she tweeted, help me respond to all those haters who said my ethnic studies framework claimed two plus two equals five. So instead of dropping it at this point where she says, you know, that it's, not, it's obvious from the context here that she doesn't think that her ethnic studies framework says two plus two equals five, instead of dropping it at that point, she then tries to flip it over and says how can we turn this into a true statement? The the broader context of this particular tweet came, you uh, can be read in another tweet where she said, and I quote, the specific arithmetic, arithmetic attack fa- phrase, meaning two plus two equals five, came around last year after my team asked the question, who gets to determine what is right in math class in our ethnic studies math framework? So there is a context in which for over a year people have been trying to create an ethnic studies math framework. This has been installed. This was already uh, accepted by the city of Seattle by um, at least October or September of last year, uh, 2019. And so now, here we are, you know, nearly a year later, and this uh, this attack creates this backstory, this context in which uh, two plus two equals four being a white Western narrative creates a lot of stir and then all of a sudden uh, you have this activist with a lot of power in the Washington state education circles saying how can we turn two plus two equals five into a true statement so that she can overcome objections to her haters and her works. This turned out to be a rather decisive error to try to make two plus two equal to five because as I titled my article two plus two never equals five. Um, It just doesn't. Uh, nevertheless, this question that she, she said was at the heart of the attack phrase, two plus two equals five, which of course roots into Nazi propaganda, Soviet propaganda, um, the, Orwell's 1984, is well known as a, a, as a key point in people being completely off the rails, often in ways that are totalitarian. The question, who gets to determine what is right in math class, actually was part of the implemented framework by the city of Seattle. So this is a bigger deal than a Twitter fight or two plus two equals four or five or whatever. This is actually part of a broad uh, attempt to remake our education systems, including our mathematics education, including math, the driest and most objective of all subjects, into critical social justice, activism, in place of whatever other subject, in this case, math, would be taught. For a little further context, we can talk about that other activist, uh, probably the lead theorist in all of this, Rochelle Gutierrez. uh, Sherude respects and pays attention to um, Gutierrez. Uh, She openly is calling for a revolution in mathematics education and also in mathematics itself. And she's also openly calling for uh, achieving this by using other mathematicians and math educators as accomplices she had a paper published a couple of years ago in which she laid this out very explicitly it even contains the idea of revolution in mathematics in the title and what she wrote in that paper was and i quote one thing that has been underscored from this attack is that we cannot create a revolution by ourselves we need accomplices not allies in this work that is we need people who are willing to stand with us around us so that those who attack us will need to go through them first. Having accomplices is different than having allies who support with solidarity, cheer loudly from the sidelines, or who safely stand on the sidewalk with their signs. Accomplices do what Dolores Huerta called for when organizing for the rights of Chicago far- Chicano farm workers. Quote, walk the streets with us into history, get off the sidewalk, end quote. Mathematicians are one group who are showing some promise in the arena of being our accomplices. Then quoting from another source uh, that she labels as indigenous action, an accomplice as an academic would seek ways to leverage resources and material support and or betray their institution to further liberation struggles. An intellectual accomplice would strategize with, not for, and not be afraid to pick up a hammer. So let me make very clear that uh, obviously the the metaphor to the hammer refers to breaking things but liberation struggles fits within a paradigm that is the neo-Marxist critical theory that I say is at the heart of critical social justice. So this all fits together and this is an activist with some influence uh, who is considered the kind of intellectual powerhouse despite having no degrees in mathematics. All of her degrees are in education. She has a university appointment. She's widely paid attention to by these other activists who have administrative level uh, positions where they can actually influence educational policy. Rochelle Gutierrez is not that fringe, to quote another one of these uh, activist educators, Laurie Rubel. Laurie Rubel was recently uh, featured, uh, I think in Breitbart, talking about um, how she believes that mathematics is white supremacist. Laurie Rubel came to the defense of Rochelle Gutierrez on Twitter in the midst of all of this fray. She said, to all the yuckos attacking Rochelle Gutierrez, she has inspired a generation or more of teacher educators and teachers, not to mention pushed our field with her scholarship. So we call your misogyny and racism. We will always stand with her, hashtag take back math. This is actually a fairly prominent hashtag where apparently they're going to take back mathematics from white supremacy has made it white and western as they see it. So this all has been going on for over a month, with more and more people uh, getting involved, including some storied mathematicians actually beginning to weigh in, mostly by using high-minded abstract concepts where they don't want to look wrong, and we'll, we'll kind of talk about that in a moment. First, we have uh, the mathematician Keith Devlin, very well-known guy. Uh, he's writing for the Mathematical Association of America's uh, blog, and has a very thoughtful piece where he explains that two and f- two never technically make four, but there are lots of ways that, or sorry, two and two never technically make five, that they it always equals four, but there are lots of ways in which uh, mathematics is more complicated than this very simple arithmetic. And so he kind of soft sides with them, but not really I don't think he knows that he's in, maybe he does, but I don't think he knows that he's in the fight that he's in with all these activists doing as much as they're doing. And part of the reason I think that they don't, that he doesn't realize this is because they went after him for his article. Our friend Lori Rubel, again, uh, went after him on Twitter quite recently and said, I had similar concerns with your MAA blog post. And pardon the grammatical mistake here, but this is what she tweeted these are felt like a form of betrayal from supposed allies whose allegiance to math which has no pulse no heart aka the master's tools while we're trying to dismantle the master's house heard through audrey lord so to give you a little context on what this master's tools master's house thing is um Audre Lorde was a black feminist, and in the, I think, early 1980s, it could have been the late 1970s, but I'm almost positive it was the early 1980s, Audre Lorde wrote this uh, very famous piece called The Master's Tools Will Never Dismantle the Master's House. This is obviously a metaphor to slavery, and basically she was making the case that the tools that built society as it is, this oppressive, apparently racist, white supremacist society, are not the tools that will dismantle it. She wasn't super explicit about what the tools are and aren't. She stayed very much in the realm of metaphor. But in 2017, another scholar, Alison Bailey, made it very clear that she's talking about the critical theory tradition, or at least that's how it's been interpreted since. The critical theory tradition draws off of neo-Marxism. This is something Bailey says very explicitly. It's to be distinguished from critical theory or thinking. It's a completely critical theory and critical thinking are different traditions and she says that the master's tools include things like uh, soundness and validity of argument and epistemic adequacy, which is a fancy academic way to say knowing what you're talking about. So the claim then is that getting things right will never dismantle the society that we live in. So we have to step outside of the normal bounds of logic, the normal bounds, normal rules. And here we have Laurie Rubel quoting that Theme to problematize Keith Devlin for more or less saying that we should focus on the mathematics and that two plus two in the context we always understand it always equals four and therefore not taking the full-on activist line even though he kind of softly uh, leaned into it which in the context of what Rochelle Gutierrez said about having accomplices is a very interesting situation it seems like Uh, Dr. Devlin has been made into something of an accomplice, probably unwittingly. Another one who I'm almost positive is completely unwitting is the fields medalist at Cambridge, Timothy Gowers. He decided to weigh in on this on Twitter. So a fields medal is the equivalent of a Nobel Prize sort of in mathematics, but instead of giving out a Nobel Prize a Fields Medal every year, like they do the Nobel Prize, they give out a Fields Medal every four years. So it's kind of an even higher honor. It's very difficult to get one, and Timothy Gowers has one, which means he's an excellent, excellent mathematician. Um, so he he came in with a thread saying that you know two plus two equals four, but if you fiddle around with what the the symbols mean, you can actually get a different result. And he gave kind of a very contrived example of a. a addition operator where he described meetings with breaks built into them and then a break between the meetings so that if you have two meetings uh, back to back with a break between them and there's the way the breaks are structured that you could have two meetings plus two more meetings ends up equaling five total breaks. It's a little bit contrived. You can see the hidden one is the break in between. We won't jump too hard on Gowers. It turns out, in his thread, he decided to mention the trans issue for some reason connected to this, and fell afoul of trans activists for this, and was fairly viciously attacked on Twitter for it. Had to defend himself as feeling like he feels like he's fairly woke, or whatever that means. And so, I'm pretty clear, you're pretty sure he's he's clearly not a witting accomplice to this mess. And then, because Kareem Carr, who is going to be something of a star of this show, uh a grad student in statistics at Harvard, um, a PhD student at Harvard in statistics, I should say. Uh, he, he, Kareem Carr turns out to be a big fan of Timothy Gowers, and so he retweeted this thread that it appeared where Timothy Gowers was supporting him. You're talking one of his math heroes. Looks like he's supporting him in this kind of Twitter battle. He retweets it, but then there's this trans-problematic thing in it. And so the trans activists went after Kareem Carr, very viciously telling him to stop it. Just stop it. He's causing all this harm. Carr kind of has this meltdown. He's as woke as he is, maybe not full on woke, but he's definitely going to be sensitive to it. And I'm going to make the case that he's more woke than he's letting on uh, before we're done here. And so they, they go after Kareem very, very vigorously. And this led to uh, Kareem feeling like he had to now disown his uh, fandom of. Gowers, writing, quote, I'm sorry. I retweeted him without thinking about it. He was a hero of mine from when I was young, and I wanted to be a mathematician, and I got excited about him agreeing with me on the math aspect of the 2 plus 2 equals 5 nonsense. Well, this got Kareem in a lot of trouble. As we'll see, he got in trouble some more with this. So Kareem Carr becomes a very interesting character in this story. He's a grad student, like I said, in statistics at Harvard. Um, so whether Kareem... Is there for 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 there, especially on his Twitter, there in Harvard, but also on his Twitter account, just for math, or for math plus politics, is a little bit unclear. So the question, unlike with Keith Devlin, unlike with Timothy Gowers, is Carr a witting or an unwitting accomplice, according to Rochelle Gutierrez's uh, specifications, is less clear. Kareem Carr before Timothy Gowers and Keith Devlin got involved jumped in to try to defend that in mathematics, it all depends on your axioms. So if you choose different axioms or different definitions, or if you define uh, the relevant quantities in some real-world way, then you can actually end up with something that looks like 2 plus 2 equals 5. He gave tons of bad examples of this. No good examples. He even later recognized this by writing that 2 plus 2 equals 5 is a particularly awkward example to have tried to work with. Yes, indeed, because 2 plus 2 never equals 5, so defending it was probably a pretty bad move. He introduces clock arithmetic um, in a rather awful way. We can talk about some more later. He introduces this chicken arithmetic where he says that if you take two chickens and you put the chickens together, sometimes they produce a chick. So you put one chicken with another chicken, so 1 plus 1, and you come back and you know there's a chick, now there are three chickens, so 1 plus 1 can equal 3. This obviously just hides the the 1 is 1 plus 1 equals 2, and then uh, another chicken is born, so 2 plus 1 equals 3. Not a good example at all. Uh, he gives an example of round-off error that 2.4 tends to round to 2, and 4.8 would round to 5. So 2 plus 4 or 2.4 plus 2.4 equals 4.8. So if you round everything off to the nearest whole numbers, 2 plus 2 equals 5. This of course isn't equals, this is approximate equals. Um, so, it's not a very good example. He actually gives some very weird economic examples, talking about airplane pick, ticket prices. And obviously, it's rigorous math and accounting that would make it uh, clear up these discrepancies. So, he was trying. He was trying too hard and fine. Um, he ended up getting a lot of attention for this. He ended up getting to write an article, uh, or help write an article for the 538. Uh, blog, which is very famous around election statistics and election polling. He ended up also um, being featured in a Popular Mechanics article that um, is so Foucauldian that it's um, almost unbelievable. We'll talk about that some more in a moment. And this is where things went really wrong for um, Kareem Carr because our friend Lori Rubel went after him too. You'll notice that she goes after a lot of people. So she went after Carr, too, uh, notably after he uh, got a chance to do a 538 blog. In other words, he got status out of this. He even bragged on Twitter about how I had been in, engaging with his threads. He had gained thousands of followers. He thanked me for this, I think kind of snarkily, but maybe not. And uh, then he ends up getting these articles. He gets his praise from his math hero that he ended up having to throw under the bus. Well, Laurie Rubel went after him because he increased his status, which is, of course, never okay in Wokeland, and said, quote, Part of the underreporting has to do with your own storytelling. Your discourse has squashed out women in math education for whom this particular conflict has always been, essentially, about race and, I guess, patriarchy. Instead of forming solidarity with us, you and other men in math stats, but whatever, have converted an argument that was about race and gender into one about math. It wasn't about math, and it still isn't. Math is a great way for these people to rally their troops. It is an apt political tool. But why did they need to rally their troops? What exactly was being challenged? White supremacist patriarchy. That's what this is and was about. Hashtag take back math. I'm not angry with you, just frustrated. So many men seemingly on our side have totally missed the point or at least have looked right past us. So Kareem, who is uh, a black man, did not sufficiently raise up women and uh, stepped on the trans issue in the wrong way. And so he got doubly problematized for all of this. So, you know, intersectionality as usual does... uh, no better job of anything than eating its own leg and Laurie Rubel turns out to be the the character helping it happen in this case So let's talk about a couple of these arguments very quickly because I want to set this up I know where this is going to be long and difficult But I want to set this up so that I can use this as a teaching moment I want you to understand enough about the bad arguments that they made so that we can have a teaching moment to show how important it is to have clarity rather than the opposite of clarity where it comes to talking about things like, say, mathematics or any technical field. This is very important that we have more clarity, not less, when we talk about issues. And it's central to the postmodern political agenda and its, its uh, operation to make things less clear on purpose. So one of the common arguments that's come up is a change of arithmetic base. Um, for example if we switch over to base 3 we can add 2 and 2 together um, and and it looks like the answer is 11 it looks like it's written 1 1 in base 3 to do this i have to explain to you what arithmetic base is so you can kind of understand very quickly what's happening when i write down a number say like uh, 75 in base 10 that we're used to our normal base is 10 what that means is we count you know if you count from 0 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and then we run out of digits, digits being what you have 10 different unique symbols, so we roll over to a two-digit number rather than just a one-digit number, and we go to one zero, which we say is 10, and then we go to 1, 1, which is 11, and 12, 13, 14, 15, and so on, get to 19, and then the tens place changes, so we now go to 20, so when we, you know, this goes on and on, when we get to 99, we roll over to a new hundreds place digit for 100 zero, zero, which means that we have a single 100 plus no tens plus no ones so a number like 75 would mean that we have seven tens together with five ones and that's the meaning of the number 75 when written in base 10 our number system is commonly understood to be base 10 there are others that are used binary is very famous for using computers that's where it's just ones and zeros Hexadecimal is very common in programming. You'll probably sometimes see it if you've ever dug into anything programming, and you see that the the values uh, run something like zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, A, B, C, D, E, F, and then one zero, and you would keep going, and eventually you get to one A, one B, one C, and so on, and then eventually you get to one F, and the next thing is two zero, and that's hexadecimal, which is six, base sixteen. Different bases have different uses. Well, in base 3, the digits, are, I guess they're trigits or something like this, um, ternary arithmetic is what it's called in math, are 0, 1, and 2. And so when we count in uh, base 3, we would have 0, 1, 2, and when we get to 3, we now have to go to a two-digit representation, which would be 1, 0. 4 would be 1, 1. 5 would be 1, 2. When we get to 6. That's 2 times 3. So now we would have 2, Zero. So we have two threes, zero ones. Seven is two threes and one one. So we would write uh, two one. Eight is two threes and two ones, So we would write two two. We get to nine. That would give us uh, three in the t- in, in, in the three spot, but that's where we have to roll over. So now we get one zero zero for nine, which means one nine, zero threes, zero ones. And so this is how this arithmetic works. So when you have 2 plus 2 equals 1, 1 in base 3, what that means is 2 plus 2 equals 3 plus 1. It means 1, 3 plus 1, 1. It's the same value. The value didn't change at all. This is literally the same thing as saying that 2 plus 2 doesn't equal 4 because in uh, Spanish it's 4. It's literally just changing the language that you're representing the value in. It, it, it's not a change of mathematics at all and it's disingenuous to try to say that it is. So this was one of the arguments that they made, saying, and you'll note that it doesn't actually get you to uh, 2 plus 2 equals 5, it gets you to 2 plus 2 equals what looks like 11 if you're in base 3, 2 plus 2 equals 100 is what it looks like if you're in base uh, 2, Uh, 2 plus 2 equals 10 is what it looks like if you're in base 4, Um, and if you're in uh, base 5 or higher, 2 plus 2 just equals 4. So it doesn't ever work. It doesn't ever give you 2 plus 2 equals 5 anyway. It's a silly thing to have brought up. Another trick that they that they tried to bring up is modular arithmetic, and they did this in two different ways. It's tedious to have to try to explain mathematics in a podcast. So modular, modular arithmetic is also sometimes called clock arithmetic. If you think about how a clock works, you have 1 through 12 on a normal clock, So the clock says 1, it says 2, it says 3, it goes all the way around, and then it gets to 11, and the next number is 12. If you were to replace the 12 with a 0, you would have what we normally think of as modular arithmetic modulo 12, where the modulus is 12. 12 and 0 are going to be equivalent, and then it starts again. The next thing is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, all the way around 11, 12, or 0, starting again. 1, 2, 3, and so you go around and around. And so what what modular arithmetic, if you look at it in terms of a clock, tells you is where on the clock face the hand is pointing, regardless of how many times it's gone around. What it tells you uh, mathematically is if you were to take a, a, an integer and divide it by, um, in this case, 12, what's the remainder? That's what it tells you. So when we have a number like 17, if we divide that by 12... We know 12 goes into 17 once and it leaves a remainder of five. So we could the hand would be pointing at the five. And the way that we would say that is that seventeen is equivalent, not equals, to five modulo twelve. And that's why you know military time actually kind of taps into this. So this is something people have actual real experience with. So they tried to bring up modular arithmetic. Turns out there is no integer modulus in which two plus two equals five with sort of one stupid exception. So without having to get into all of it uh, very complicatedly, we could, let's just look at the situations from three, to, and then we'll look at one and see what happens. So when we look at dividing by three, the residue classes is what they're called, the, the remainders, when you divide by three, are possibly zero, one, or two. 012 012. If we re- rewrote if we took all the numbers 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, going on forever, and then we wrote down underneath them 012 two, two, 2, And then we did either addition or as it works out multiplication in the usual line, it turns out that the remainders play by the same rules. So if we added say five and eight together, um, five and eight equal thirteen you could look straight down from 13, you would see if we actually did 0, 1, 2, 0, 1, 2, because 12 is divisible by 3, it would be 0, 13 would be 1, so we end up with 1. But if you look at 5, that's going to be a 2. If you look at 8, that's also going to be a 2, because they leave remainders of 2 and divided by 3. So 2 plus 2 is equivalent to 1 modulo 3. You never get 2 plus 2 is equivalent to 5 modulo 3, as it turns out. So when we look at 3, this is what we get. If we did it with 2 modulo 2, which just tells you if a number is even or odd, uh, if it's, uh, it would be the same thing. We write all the numbers out, and then we write underneath them 0 1, 0, 1, 0, 1, 0, 1, 0, 1. So numbers that are odd are 1, and numbers that are even are 0 because they're evenly divided by 2. Numbers that are oddly will remain of 1 when divided by 2. That's the definition of even and odd. And uh, in that case, what you would have is that 2 plus 2 is equivalent to 0 plus 0 is equivalent to 0 modulo 2. Now, we finally get to a place where 2 plus 2 can be 5 if we go to modulo 1, which nobody ever does, because all modulo 1 means is that every number is equivalent to every other number, because every number leaves a remainder of 0 when divided by 1. Any number divided by 1 is that number, whole, no remainder. The remainder is always 0. So every number is zero. So technically, two plus two is equivalent to five modulo one, but all that means is that four and five are both whole numbers. The way that Karim Carr presented the same idea was by presenting the group that's sometimes known as R mod Z, which is the reals modulo the integers, which means we're just going to consider the decimal value. So the the idea of... um, say, I don't know, 4.5 and 5.5 and 6.5 would all be the same because they have 0.5 as their their value past the decimal place. Everything that's like you know 0.3 repeating, uh, 1.3 repeating, so that would be like one-third and four-thirds, those are equivalent in R mod Z because they're the same to the right of the decimal place. So he brings up R mod Z, and he says that... <laughs> he says that... I didn't mean to laugh says that 2 plus 2 is equivalent to 5. He actually said equals. It's not. It's equivalent to 5 in um, R mod Z. But all that means is that 4 and 5 are whole numbers. It it means that they have a 0 after the decimal place. It doesn't tell you anything. Anything at all. Every single whole number is equivalent to every other whole number in R R mod Z. And they're all equivalent to 0. And it doesn't tell you anything. So this is a trick. It's a trick. It did not get you to 2 plus 2 equals 5. These things where you round off imprecisely, I don't even really have to talk about this, 2.4 plus 2.4 equals 4.8 is rigorous. If your instrument can't read it, that doesn't have anything to do with the fact that 2 plus 2.4 plus 2.4 still equals 4.8. Um, these Some of these alternative arithmetics, uh, changing the meaning of plus, Gower's meetings and breaks example, all he did was hide a plus. So he defined a new plus operator, so he changed the meaning of plus, you get to find a new plus operator, and that plus operator hides a plus 1. This, this is, It's easy to find the plus 1, and then you actually can determine the value by figuring out that there's a plus 1 hidden in there. Um, the same thing comes up with Kareem's chicken's example, as we already covered, is chicken math. Um, so no, the 2 plus 2 doesn't equal 5 there either, and nor does 1 plus 1 equal 3. The more interesting for our postmodern purposes were that a couple of people actually decided that they were just going to go full on postmodern and uh, change the definitions of the symbols themselves, namely 2 and 5. We just saw an example where they changed the meaning of plus. We saw several examples that didn't even work where they changed the meaning of uh, either equals, rounding off, or uh, the the underlying group in which this is occurring in modular arithmetic, or the meanings of what the symbols are in, in the uh, change of arithmetic base. But here we have people openly saying we're going to change the definitions of the symbols 2 and 5 themselves. To So to quote from somebody on Twitter who I don't think is of a, a whole lot of mathematical significance, but could be, goes by the Twitter name at the time, Nora, yep, I'm trans. Wrote, and I quote, 2 plus 2 equals 5 when the symbol 2 refers to the value 2.5, or more generally, when it refers to something that is equivalent to whatever 5 refers to when operated on by plus. So this argument is literally that if you just mean something different by 2 plus 2 and 5, that 2 plus 2 can in fact equal 5. This doesn't tell you anything. This in fact provides a negative amount of information. (laughs) 2 plus 2 equals banana. Is equally true if you decide that banana means four. It it achieves nothing. This is this is pure linguistic silliness Uh, trying to make the point that the symbols themselves are the relevant things that you can write down 2 plus 2 equals 5 in appearance while meaning something completely different by 2 and 5. This doesn't this literally doesn't tell you anything. This is this is a pure linguistic postmodern trick. Okay, so that's a lot of math, and that's a lot of stupid, and why does any of this matter? Isn't this just some Twitter fight? What's the big picture here? The answer is no, this is not just some Twitter fight. It seems like a petty fight about meaning, but it's a big fight about meaning. It's a big fight about whether or not we can count on stable, commonly agreed-upon meanings for ideas, and whether or not we can call the that we, truths that we express in those commonly held terms objective when they refer to something in material reality. To give you an idea of the scope with which this is true, I'll remind you that this whole mess started after 1619 Project creator Hannah Nicole, Nicole Hannah-Jones uh, tweeted, um, quote, but I, 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 let me tell the story a little bit better. She, she tweeted, she quote tweeted, my woke mini, which was put underneath her one of her tweets as a reply And the tweet that she tweeted that led to that happening in the first place was, and I quote, I wonder if folks always talking about, scare quotes, standards ever stop to consider that it's their so-called standards that are the actual problem. The reply underneath her uh, retweet of my woke mini was from a uh, person in the Studies of Science and Technology Department at the University of Edinburgh, Michael J. Barani, and he quote tweeted himself saying that he fully signed on to Nicole Hannah Jones's um, thing and quote tweeted himself from something like a year ago where he had tweeted one plus one equals two is a hegemonic discourse and don't let anyone tell you otherwise. So this whole little two plus two thing is a fight that's part of a broader attempt to undermine the concept of objective truth whatsoever. I really want to drive this point home because this is key to what's going on. This isn't some fringe thing. This is this is why I've bothered all of you that follow me on Twitter and other social media with this 2 plus 2 stuff so long because I know what Rochelle Gutierrez is doing. I know what uh, Shraddha uh, Sharudi is doing. I know what these other activists are doing. I know the context in which this fight is playing out, and maybe you do and maybe you don't, but if you don't, you need to because this isn't just some little squabble. It's not just some little joke. It's not just some little Twitter spat. So right in the wake of the whole thing that blew up about a month ago, we have one of these mathematics educators and activists, Lee Melvin Peralta, tweeted both the sociocultural slash sociomaterial differences and the logical equivalence between 2 plus 2 equals 4 and 2 plus 2 uh, equals 10 in base 4, meaning 1, 0, 4, 1, 4, and zero ones, count as math. The problem is the latter is commonly privileged, I think he meant the former, is commonly privileged as being more mathematical, probably because it favors a disembodied Universalizing worldview. It's a lot of big, fancy, jargony words to say that he doesn't think that writing two plus two equals four is the only way you can write it down. Um, A disembodied universalizing worldview is what it means to write down numbers in the common base that we all accept as the common base. Uh, uh, Another person in this vein around the same time, Brittany Marshall, I believe she's a graduate student, uh, tweeted, Quote, the idea of 2 plus 2 equaling 4 is cultural and because of Western imperialism and colonization, we think of it as the only way of knowing. Uh, Praya Prasad wrote, quote, math could look and work very differently if different people made different choices and different power structures were influencing them. So the reason that we write 2 plus 2 equals 4 is because of power structures. Even if that's true about the way we write it, it has nothing to do with with the fact that two and two actually make four. And so the fact that she says that it would, would look differently and the fact that it would work differently is a confusion. She also said, uh, when, when we work to hashtag take back math, we work to highlight and name those power structures and broaden the scope of human of human endeavor by honoring the work of humans whose voices were excluded from influencing the develop of school and academic math. So this is an explicitly political project to expand uh, math uh, in the decolonize the curriculum kind of fashion. We have another such activist, Melissa Adams Coral, quote, You can't be an anti-racist educator without working to hashtag take back math. Math has served to build the foundation of the logics of white supremacy. We need a mathematics of abolition, and we need it now. Joe Herbert Quote, math is is actually not universal. Treating it as such upholds white supremacy. And then he tweets in another tweet, you're missing the broader point. Objectivity doesn't exist. It's a tool of white supremacy. Math is frequently wielded as a part of that white supremacist toolkit. We are pushing back on that claim to neutrality. And many of those words, including neutrality and objectivity, are in scare quotes, as these activists like to do because they don't believe it exists. Another activist, Annie, who, judging by her uh, Twitter handle, could be presumably last middler and or last name, Kath Kutia, writes, quote, I have been stating this time and time again. Two plus two equals five is merely a way of exemplifying that we need not take the basis of our logic to be grounded in absolute truths. It just professes the notion that absolute truths cannot exist and we as a society must work intentionally toward progress. So progress is what we need instead of 2 plus 2 equals 4. Now it seems to me that uh, 2 plus 2 equals 4 is kind of key to building progress, but they get very upset about that idea. So now I'm going to turn back to Kareem Carr because there's a lot of case. I should make the point. Kareem Carr has apologized on Twitter and said that in fact he recognizes that 2 plus 2 equals 4 is a universal truth, He's no longer trying to defend 2 plus 2 equals 5. He does say, however, that broader, higher-level math admits interesting things and that he still wants to talk about those. Maybe this is fully genuine and I commend him for his courage in walking this back if that's the case. But I don't know what to do with his politics because he had a tweet stream before all of this 2 plus 2 equals 5 garbage blew up that uh, I happen to have come across and saved where he wrote something that puts him pretty firmly in this activist camp. He wrote, and I quote with all caps at the beginning, I reject the idea that there's only one way to build a scientific community. I reject that the fate of science rests on empowering certain scientists regardless of their bad behavior. I reject excluding everybody that doesn't resemble the majority group in academia, which is preposterous, by the way. I reject that the pursuit of truth is more important than serving our society. I reject that scientists currently pursue the truth above all else, certainly not above job opportunities, funding, or tenure. I'm not saying people lie, but they know which truths to emphasize. This is all in one long Twitter thread. Perhaps we can add social inequality to the list of interests to which we scientists, he's a statistician, often bow and rarely acknowledge. The university rarely acknowledges social inequality. (laughs) It's so crazy, these people. He goes on, perhaps we should ask ourselves if our science promotes social equality, and if it doesn't, we should favor a science that does. That's my radical proposal. So that's Kareem Carr, who, you know, I keep being told is just this nice guy and that he's not really one of these radicals. Well, that's his radical proposal. So we can go back to Rochelle Gutierrez. We're going to pull this out of her paper, uh, not off of Twitter. Quote, much of what currently counts as scholarship in mathematics education assumes we will work within the given system or expand what we currently count as a status quo. Within mathematics education, we have convinced ourselves that equity is a strong enough agenda when maybe revolution should be the goal. And then we see Laurie Rubel, our friend, tweeting, uh, indeed, The goal is revolution, hashtag take back math. So this is a big fight. This is a much bigger thing than some Twitter spat. This is uh, Gutierrez has been publishing papers on this at least going back to 2012, and it's highly uh, recognized within the activist community. And these activists are actually embedded in our schools and our administrative bodies that are remaking mathematics curricula that are really affecting entire states' education programs. So this isn't some small thing. I wish it was some small thing. It's Remember, this all started with Sherude saying, how can we make two plus two equals five into a true statement so that she can defend this specific educational revolutionary project? So in place of objective truth, this movement, uh, obviously needs to install some other means of adjudicating between competing ideas when they come up, and they always will, and the critical social justice, aka woke ideology, is intending to supply the moral force that will be able to determine right thinking from wrong thinking. In other words, they're setting themselves up as the arbiters of who has the morally right views to determine what is and is not true, and you can't even trust your own eyes, your own experiment, your own logic your own rigorous mathematics to understand that two and two are four if they tell you otherwise. You have to open your mind and listen to what they say. This is, in some sense, especially with all these appeals to white supremacy and culture and it being a cultural object, uh, mathematics being a cultural object, this is obviously some appeal to subjectivism uh, if they are going to get to set the standards of who is right and who is wrong in mathematics. If we're going to talk about two plus two, equaling for not being an objective truth, but rather something that's subjective down to the level of what definitions you're using and who's, who it benefits, as we've heard. And subjectivism never really stays neutral and fully relativist, where everybody's equally right for very long. It always gets supplanted by some form of might makes right. Some form of might will always step into the vacuum and determine what is right on its own terms. We know how the woke agenda works with this. We see this with the appeals to 2 plus 2 equals 4 being white supremacy, math and logic being white supremacy. We know what they're going to do with this. It's very clear. They're telling us we have to get rid of white supremacy, so we have to get rid of the logic of white supremacy. The master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. That's what they're saying. This is their own words. This isn't my words. And they're going to use mathematicians and math educators as accomplices, witting or unwitting, to accomplish it. So... What we're looking at with two plus two equals five is an attempt to define the very terms of interaction in society and the capacity for one political group to state what is and is not true about the world. So to quote from uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones for the 1619 Project, in fact, this is what she wrote about the 1619 Project, um, not about mathematics. And she, she, at one point, by the way, explicitly said that the 1619 um, Project, and I quote, explicitly denies objectivity. Um, she elsewhere called objectivity bullshit and non-existent. That's a quote with bullshit. Uh, but writing about the 1619 Project, which is another attempt to do something with our education system, she wrote, and I quote, the fight here, so this really frames the fight for us with 2 plus 2 equals 4 as well. She wrote, Quote, the fight here is about who gets to control the national narrative and therefore the nation's shared memory of itself. One group has monopolized this for far too long in order to create this myth of exceptionalism. If their version is true, what do they have to fear of 1619? Well, the name of this line of thought is totalitarianism The kind of gets inside your head and makes you think the right things or make every possible outward appearance that you only think the right things. This is a very serious fight. Um, Now I want to use a moment, I want to take a few minutes to talk about the differences between teachers and gurus to kind of elucidate what should have happened with this two plus two equals four narrative thing that discourse, as it got called, that blew up. Um, In general, teachers are trying to seek clarity so that their students can become clearer thinkers who can do effective work for themselves, whereas gurus seek confusion so that their followers have to rely upon the guru or other authorities like the canon itself that they establish to do their thinking for them. This, of course, can be a bit tricky because when you start talking about this he- he- hegemonic narratives and, you know, all of this stuff, they can try to turn it around on you and reverse it in meaning. What I want to establish for you, though, is that the people who are leaning toward more conceptual clarity, more more reliance on objective standards and, and reliable methodologies and uh, objective truth are teachers, and people who are leaning toward expanding the amount of confusion are more likely to be gurus, and in fact they are probably gurus who, who want to keep their students confused and listening to them on authority. This is because the goal of teachers is to produce independent thinkers who can reason for themselves, which will include being able to challenge the teachers themselves on the grounds of clarity and better argument, whereas the goal of gurus is to produce dependent thinkers who see the guru as the proper authorities who have to be deferred to so this difference is particularly important in terms of educational spaces and how we educate kids and how we educate even adults in colleges you definitely want teachers teaching critical thinking and we want to avoid gurus who are trying to get kids to defer to an authoritative canon which I would say Alison Bailey made very clear when she wrote in that 2017 paper in Hypatia that there's a difference between the critical thinking tradition, which is dangerous and no good, and needs to be replaced by the critical theory tradition, which comes from neo-Marxism. And I'm trying to make the case that this is what we're seeing. This is the thing that is happening, and these are the gurus that are establishing themselves. To give you a clearer idea about this, let's revisit those math examples. I'm sorry, I know nobody wants to talk about math. Nobody wants to talk about any of this stuff anymore, um, but let's turn them into teaching moments. So a statement like, how do we make two plus two equal to five equals five into a true statement in order to be able to push my, <laughs> my political agenda into the classroom is clearly a move toward obfuscation. Looking for ways to make something false seem true on purpose is a call to obfuscate. It is not a call to clarity. It is a call to confusion. So I think we can declare the activists in that realm, certainly in the guru camp. Um, A statement like 2 plus 2, expressed in English, although it could be expressed in any other language, assumes a particular context, they like to bring up context, which is unambiguous. None of us who are over the age of young childhood are at all confused about what context is meant by 2 plus 2. We know what 2 means. We know what plus means. Changing the numerical base is no different than changing the language. There's absolutely no reason to think that there's any reason we have to use uh, or that we can't rely on the common base, base 10, and just assume it. Any base would work. All the math would work out the same. This is irrelevant. This is a canard. Um, But 2 plus 2 assumes a particular context, which is addition of integers, and this is unambiguous, and everybody knows it, and it reflects an an objective truth that if we take two objects and we put two more objects with them, we get four objects. This is understood unambiguously in in mathematical realism, which is where we would take objects and see it. It's also unambiguous in uh, mathematical formalism, which uh, Bertrand Russell worked very, very hard to work out many, many, many pages that one and one are two, but if one and one are two and we accept the definition of what the word four means, then certainly two and two are four. This is not ambiguous. So it is the duty of anyone who values clarity, that is a teacher, to be able to clearly explain any change of context from that one that we can assume. Or to accept the fact that we are assuming the standard context. This Postmodernism isn't helping matters by saying, wow, there are other contexts out there. It's just not. It's in fact deliberately confusing not to be abundantly clear about this. This is irresponsible guru stuff. Um, changing an arithmetic base can be confusing, so we have to use precision and clarity that are necessary. The common base is, the assu- is a reasonable assumption. It's good for efficiency and mathematical shorthand, but that shorthand can't be allowed to be forgotten. So if we're adding in base 10, because that's the common base, we don't actually acknowledge that. We don't write 2 base 10 plus 2 base 10 equals 4 base 10, which would be formally correct if we we weren't making that assumption. The shorthand is just 2 plus 2 equals 4. If we switch to base 3, we would have to write that 2 base 3 plus 2 base 3 equals 1 1 base 3, and the context isn't lost, and nothing is tricky. The symbols one one base three means three plus one. Nothing tricky has happened. It is up to a teacher to make sure that people don't get confused by this. It's up to them to make sure that people learn to spot these tricks and these errors and not fall for them. People who are trying to, to blow your mind with this as some like, ooh, math isn't always so stable. Oh. They aren't trying to get clarity. They are not teachers. They are trying to establish guru status and That might be just for fun, that might be for clicks, that might be for social media awe and and, and fun, like these ambiguous math problems that do order of operations tricks that have two answers and get people arguing just so they can go viral with their little meme or whatever. But when you have something like 2 plus 2 equals 5 thing embedded so deeply into this, um, or even 2 plus 2 equals doesn't matter, but equals 4 is a hegemonic narrative, embedded so deeply into this activist thing, people who are trying to obfuscate around that are doing something either deeply irresponsible out of negligence of the broader activist context or willfully in alignment with that activist context and that's a different thing that's actually a big problem this guru stuff is uh in this case inducing critical consciousness which is a completely different thing a completely different way to think about the world that's not good for anybody um switching to modular arithmetic is another particular context it has to be made clear. You have to teach your students when they're doing modular arithmetic that the symbols like 2 plus 2 don't mean the same thing as they did before. 2 now means the remainder class where 2 is the remainder of whatever you're dividing by. It's, it's not the regular 2. It's a different thing. You have to be clear and upfront about that. It's not about making cute little jokes and statements on Twitter. 2 actually means something different in modular arithmetic plus means modular plus it means go around the clock face if you will uh, which is a different kind of plus equals doesn't even exist in modular arithmetic it's equivalence because things that all have the same remainder are considered equivalent under the uh, operation of of you know uh, i guess the, the modulus operation of dividing by an integer Pardon me if my terminology is a bit off. It's been like 12 years since I've taken an abstract algebra class. It's been a while. Uh, it's not like I yeah, just forgot all of it, but still. So this kind of thing comes up in mathematics classes when people are first teaching this, usually to juniors or senior undergraduates, and mathematicians like to make their little joke, like, ha ha ha, look at this, two plus two equals one, hee, hee, hee or whatever. And they make their little wry grin and their little dork math joke. And then They turn it around when they're responsible teachers and turn it into a teaching moment to say, this is why it's so important that we're clear that we're working in this particular group with this particular meaning of the number two, the symbol that we we would call the number two, and so on and so forth. So anybody who wants to say, oh, there are other contexts where two plus two doesn't actually necessarily equal five, uh, they need to be very, very clear about this um, because they're lying to you otherwise. And it's, it's on them when they switch from the commonly assumed, reasonably assumed uh, understanding of these, these things to another one. It is of utmost importance. And in fact, in this case, with modular arithmetic, it is not equals, it's equivalent. So they're just straight up lying to you if they're trying to play this little game. And it's funny because it doesn't even work anyway. As we saw earlier, it doesn't work in any uh, integer modulus uh, at all. It never works. 2 plus 2 never equals 5 in z mod nz for any n, except for n equals 1, which is trivial and everything equals 0. It never works in r mod z, except that all whole numbers are equivalent, which is a banal state. It's utterly a worthless statement. So I shouldn't say it never works. It always works in r mod z that all whole numbers are equivalent to each other because that's what Aramadzi means, and it's just they've said nothing. It's it's, it's triviality, and to pretend that that's something other than it is to score rhetorical points is a trashy word game that deliberately introduces confusion rather than clarity. It's guru shit instead of uh, teacher work, and then to use this in service of supporting or defending an ideology in this context of how do we make two plus two equals a tr- 5 a true statement? I mean that's just if that's the context in which somebody's knowingly working, now they're doing something borderline legitimately evil because this is this is absolutely the attempt to fool people. So you have I can't express actually how pissed off I am about this. You have people whose job it is to be clear about a subject that most people don't understand then using their superior education in that subject to fleece people into something so that they can push an activist agenda that most people wouldn't want. And if they knew what it was and could understand the symbols, they would reject it and they would get upset. That's evil. It is evil. It is a complete malpractice of uh, a mathematics professional to do something like that knowingly. It, It pisses me off to no end that this is going on like that. For those of them that know this, they know Better too. They are not responsible professionals. And they should be held to responsible professional standards if they're going to uh, claim a mantle like uh, mathematician or math educator or statistician or whatever it happens to be. Same kind of thing with round off pers- imprecision. So you have 2.4 plus 2.4 equals 4.8. So these round off to 2 plus 2 equals, er, wavy equals, uh, approximately equals 5. Well, the thing is, is, this is actually a very important point within um, engineering and physics because we know 2 plus 2 doesn't equal 5. So if our instruments tell us 2 plus 2 approximately equals 5, we know our instruments are not very precise, or we know that there's some other form of error in our experiment. This means if our instruments lead us to this to this conclusion, 2 plus 2 approximately equals 5, we know something's wrong with our instruments or something's wrong with our experimental design, and we need to reconsider them. We need a better instrument. We need better design. Because the math doesn't lie. So 2.4 plus 2.4 approximately equals 5, therefore 2 plus 2 approximately equals 5, is again a severe distortion. So when we put up the memes of like a crashed airplane with 2, point, uh, 2 plus 2 equals 5 on them, this is what we're talking about. You don't get to fudge those numbers. You have to, the, the, the math, if, if the math doesn't works out work out, that's when the engineer knows something has gone wrong. Something in the design is flawed. Something in the the measurements that we're taking is flawed, and we need to go figure out what the problem is before we crash a plane into the ground and kill people. This one is serious. It's not funny to make cutesy little jokes about it and say, uh-huh, 2 plus 2, two, plus two equals 5. It's just not. Uh, it's actually extremely serious um, because that's one with, with, with real-world consequences. Like, this is crashed planes bridges that fall down and so on, and all the things that people are saying, oh, it's never about that. This is actually where that is. Um, Introducing alternative mathematical systems or arithmetic arithmetic systems. You know, clarity, I keep saying it, clarity is overwhelmingly necessary to good communication. And um, especially since a lot of these alternative arithmetics smuggled in weird assumptions like hidden ones or deliberate losses of clarity like with the chickens, like, as if, you know, some time goes by, you know, uh, Seinfeld, yada, 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 you know, I put, I, put a, I put a rooster with a hen, yada, 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 three chickens, one plus one equals three. No, that's not how this works. You know, this is deliberately bringing in a lack of clarity into something that be, should be made more clear. And again, the math doesn't lie, so it should tell us that something is off with our assumptions. Um, even when there are legitimate ways to redefine the plus operator, for example, to mean something different, if we, I don't really accept Timothy Gower's example about the meetings and the breaks, but if we do, um, mathematicians actually tend to use a different symbol for a modified plus operator. That symbol is called circle plus. It's a plus sign with a circle written around it so that you know that you're using an alternative addition that applies in a particular context. Again, the need for clarity is paramount. So you're either on the side of gurus who are trying to introduce confusion so that they can they can force people to rely on their greater wisdom, or you're working with teachers who are clarifying things so that everybody gets sharper. One of these leads to a prosperous society. The other one leads to cults. And you can work out which one's which. When we get to the straight up postmodern alternative meanings thing, like if you change the meaning of two and five, then, then clearly two plus two can equal five. This is straight-up guru nonsense. There's no, no ambiguity at this point. There is, however, the ability for us to go look at um, this Popular Mechanics article that was written around the issue. Popular Mechanics, again, crashed airplanes. It's a thing. So in this article, they titled this article, Why Some People Think 2 Plus 2 Equals 5, and then they, they literally could have cited Foucault. In fact, they should have cited Michel Foucault, postmodern philosopher, with this statement. They wrote, quote, how music is recorded and compressed is a model. Language is a model. Mathematics is a model. And troubled metrics like IQ are models too. It benefits no one, or perhaps only the people with power, to pretend that they're universal truths instead of engaging with the consequences of each model. Pure postmodern obfuscation. This is Guru City. This is completely irresponsible. It's ridiculous that this appeared in Popular Mechanics. It is a black mark on their record, an embarrassment to their legacy. Um, nobody who cares about machining or knows the the level of precision necessary to machine metal, for example, uh, or nobody who cares about having machines that work, uh, could possibly accept something like this. And again. It doesn't matter how you feel. This whole power thing, it doesn't matter what race the mechanic is. It doesn't matter what the power dynamics around the mechanic are. If the mechanic's having an off day or whatever, and they show up and they, they try to fix, they they fail to fix the engine on a 787, uh, it's very plausible that 300 people are going to die. And a many, many, many multi-million dollar aircraft is going to be destroyed, uh, needlessly and, and, To put this in Popular Mechanics is just absolutely almost unbelievable. Um, They've had to completely abandon their mission to be cute like this and score points in the uh, culture war, which is is humiliating. So why and how this is happening? uh, this This is like I'm trying to convince you. This is an important issue. This is an important fight. So the purpose that we have going on with this whole battle is to erode any sense of stable meaning in the concepts that we use, and thus deny the objectivity of the truths that we can express in those concepts. Okay, do you get that? Erode any stable sense of meaning in concepts, and thereby deny that our concepts can express objective truths. That's what they're trying to do. That's what 2 plus 2 equals 5 discourse is all about. Why? Why would anybody do this? Because it enables them to appoint themselves as the only possible and appropriate arbiters of truths. Because they have the right view of the world, the right power dynamics, whereas everyone else is somehow a very bad person or a very dumb person who shouldn't be listened to. And this is how they do the maneuvers that they do on people to get people to accept this crap. They try to make them feel bad or they may try to make them feel dumb. So this activism trades off of making its opponents look either immoral or stupid. So let's elaborate on these in turn. They try to make the uh, person that they're disagreeing with look immoral. No one wants to look like a bad or an uncaring person, so it's it's very common. They call people racist. They say that it's white supremacy to believe in logic, to believe in math, to believe 2 plus 2 equals 4. They try to make you look like you're in affiliation with or complicit in some evil to do this, they also turn around and play a game that, that Asra Namani, a friend of mine, called Wound Collecting. So they go out and they throw this stuff on social media, they get criticized for it, and then they come and cry about the wounds that they collected in the process of putting this out there. It's kind of like a victimhood farming um, project or whatever. Uh, so this, this I don't really want to get too much into the stuff about myself that came up around 2 plus 2 equals 5, but it got so nasty and so ridiculous, I'm actually going to um, document it here. So one of the ways that they, they do this wind collecting is through distort. It's almost always through distortion of what's really going on. So in this case, there were distortions of things I said. Um, for example, I told Kareem Carr at one point that if he wasn't going to take mathematics seriously enough to communicate it accurately, then he should step aside and let other people regardless of their races because race had got brought into it by that point do it instead people should take their jobs seriously teacher versus guru this isn't this isn't mysterious this isn't racism this isn't white supremacy this is this is a straightforward be responsible in your job statement it applies to everybody you have a responsibility do your duty with it this got translated by an epidemiologist, of all things, uh, named Ellie Murray, into me being, a, she's at the, the Boston University School of Public Health, as a matter of fact. Uh, this is important because we're in a pandemic. It's not okay to be screwing around with public trust in our epidemiologists during a pandemic, but if we can't trust them to get basic facts about a discussion right because of their politics, we can't trust them to get basic facts about epidemiology or a virus right because of their politics. And unfortunately, Ellie Murray is giving us extremely good reasons to think that she uh, can't be trusted, and so we don't know what to do. For example, with myself, which is low on the relevance poll, she characterized me as a, and I quote, right-wing extremist who doesn't believe black people belong in STEM. That's, of course, ridiculous. Um, Kareem Carr and the cloud of people around the issue then went on and on for days, about how I was engaging in a relentless harassment campaign of him by holding him to account for all of these statements he was making about bad mathematics. Um, One person even bizarrely added in that I only harass women in the midst of replying to Carr, who is a man, about this. So it's very odd. Um, To give you a flavor of some of this distortion, we have Nicholas Evans... Wrote, quote, well known loser troll James Lindsay has decided to go after epidemiologists with his culture war harassment shtick during a pandemic. Report this asshole, please. Let's remember that suicides are spiking in the healthcare and allied communities, and people like Lindsay are absolutely putting people at risk with their actions. This isn't just regular Twitter nonsense, it is harassment of a group that are uniquely vulnerable at the moment. This is preposterous. This is preposterous on every level. The most important part to note, though, is that this did, which Carr encouraged and Ellie Murray encouraged, a huge mass reporting campaign of my account in the attempt to try to get me deplatformed. Mostly, as far as I can tell, because they knew they lost the argument about 2 plus 2 equaling 4, which was a stupid argument to pick in the first place. Because it's, I mean, it's literally elementary school mathematics. The context of all of this nonsense was that I had called Ellie Murray out for her smear against me, which I just read, and observed that she is an epidemiologist, who we need to trust and perhaps can't. Um, I don't actually think her malicious attack on me is all that relevant. She seems to attack a lot of people. She went after Robin D'Angelo recently as well and tried to cancel her for making too much money. So, whatever. Um... This, however, is relevant then that she's an epidemiologist. This was from her Twitter a few months ago. Um, quote, we can't address racism if we can't agree on a framework for studying racism and racial disparities. Knowledge is inevitably political. We cannot ignore the relationship between our work and its social context. This was something she tweeted uh, with the image of a slide presentation featuring a slide titled Bringing Critical Race Theory to Epidemiology. Well, critical race theory is extremely political and it's extremely dubious as a theory. It's one of the things highlighted in cynical theories as one of the core cynical theories that does not treat the issue responsibly. And she wants to bring this into epidemiology. The slide actually contains a quote from Kimberly Crenshaw, one of the founders of critical race theory, the founder of intersectionality. Um, And that slide that she's referring to says, quote, There is no exit, no scholarly perch outside of the social dynamics of racial power, from which merely to observe and analyze. Scholarship, the formal production, identification, and organization of what will be called knowledge, in square quotes, is inevitably political. So here we have Kimberly Crenshaw saying that there's no such thing as objective truth. It's all politics. You have Ellie Murray concurring with this in an effort to bring a... Kimberly Crenshaw's non-scientific tool of analysis, if you'll call it that, into epidemiology in the middle of a pandemic. Let's get rid of objective truth and replace it with politics. And the politics are so overwhelming in Ellie Murray's mind that she gets so confused that I, a left-wing individual standing up for objective truth of 2 plus 2 equals 4, Am now a quote right-wing extremist who doesn't believe black people belong in STEM. This is a crisis of faith. We have an epidemiologist with a prestigious appointment, which I don't think she should lose, who cannot keep her politics out of her job. What I do think needs to happen is that people need to take their politics out of their damn jobs. The lie that everything has to be political, teaching is a political act, the personal is political. Epidemiology is a political act. No, it's not. It's time to be objective in your work. The public depends on that. That's where public trust comes from. That's why we have a shit show where nobody will wear a mask. Nobody knows what to do. Nobody trusts epidemiologists. I have more trust in science than anybody I know, and I don't know what to trust on epidemiology. They've all lost me. This is a massive crisis and this is why we have so many so many new cases of this virus running rampant in the united states because nobody knows what to do because our epidemiologists have decided that making epidemiology about politics was a good idea and pissed away all of their uh, trustworthiness so there are other types of distortions that come up in this game Um, there are lots of them in fact but we'll just talk about a couple uh, I love distortions of the scenario overall to recast me as an unhinged harasser. Um, my, I, I have a serial-obsessed uh, fan, I will say, named Katya Thiem. She's an academic. Um, she's cast me as an unhinged lunatic who keeps harassing people for calling them out when they've publicly asserted a falsehood under Harvard's imprimatur with incredible activist consequences, as we've discussed. Uh, remember, how do we make two plus two equals five into a true statement in order to protect my ethnic math agenda? So, what did Katya say about me? She said, "Quote the animus and obsession with which James Lindsay has been attacking Kareem Carr is very vile." The words of someone who likes to pretend he speaks with the voice of objectivity. herself, h- itself. Sorry. So here we have Katya denying objectivity and saying that I am ridiculous for saying that I can speak from a position of objectivity with the voice of objectivity itself because I said two plus two equals four. It's not like I made some really complicated statement here. Um, there are also distortions of the context of the entire thing. Matt's uh, Solomon. Or Sol- yeah, I suppose that's how you say his last name. It's Solomon with an E on the end of it. Quote, two plus two discourse is not about the sum or even really about the nature of math. It's about how so called rational folks react violently to even the most innocent challenge to the status quo. So, here again, now I'm recast as somebody who's trying to maintain the status quo. No, I'm not. I'm trying to resist radical intrusion of nonsense into our education systems and our other institutions. That's not. The status quo, like everything has to stay the bad old days forever. And apparently this is a violent reaction to say, no, 2 plus 2 equals 5. No, sorry, I did it again. (laughs) No, 2 plus 2 equals 4. No, 2 plus 2 equals 4. No, 2 plus 2 equals 4. Every time somebody says 2 plus 2 equals 5 or 2 plus 2 equals any other thing or 1 plus 1 equals 3 because of chickens. No. Um, So... In this wound collecting process, I won't go deeply because Kareem Carr finally said in the end that two plus two equals four is an objective truth, uh, but he did tweet in his wound collecting many times, but one of the, the the later things that he actually said with this regard after accusing me of racist attacks and sending racist trolls after him and all of this, which is not true, um, he added in, quote, how can we say we live in a free country with free speech if we can't even be, quote, bad at arithmetic without being canceled, who among us has never been wrong about math? You know, like, what is he, Jesus? Um, so the other vector that they try to do is to make people feel stupid. I won't go into as much depth on this one. It was immoral. Um, the other thing they try to do is make people feel stupid. No one wants to be a fool who doesn't get it, especially academics who pride themselves on being smart. The last thing they want to be is the one person in the in the room who doesn't get it, some smart thing. So a lot of times early on in this whole debate about 2 plus 2 equaling 4 or 5, a lot of people would pop in, I think, with math credentials and say, any mathematician worth his salt can think of several examples where 2 plus 2 equals 5. No, they can't because it doesn't. Um, It just doesn't. So no one wants to be the dumb mathematician not worth his salt who can't think of an example or two. So when this comes across Keith Devlin's and Timothy Gower's, Paths they have to not be dumb. They have to not be the the mathematician not worth their salt. They have to be able to think of an example, and they cook up really contrived ones, and they're bad. And every one of these examples is contrived for one simple fact. 2 plus 2 never equals 5, unless you make extremely contrived distortions of the mathematics and the relevant quantities to make it happen. So let's circle back. I know it's getting really long. To, to why this matters. Again, we talked about the big picture. Let's talk about the more focused small picture. The main reason that this matters so much is that if people can change the meanings of symbols and establish a paradigm in which they are themselves appointed the arbiters of what those symbols or words mean and when they mean what they mean, these people gain an incredible amount of control and power over everybody else. This is literally the seed of totalitarianism. This is a nightmare scenario if it's actually empowered uh, and institutionalized. So we can quote about this from um, Philip K. Dick. He has a famous statement about this. He said, quote, the basic tool for the manipulation of reality is the manipulation of words. If you can control the meanings of words, you can control the people who must use the words, end quote. And of course, this can be done very explicitly. It can also be done very subversively. We've seen lots of examples of the 2 plus 2 equals 4 or 5 discourse. But we see this happening all around us. 2 plus 2 equals 4 or 5, whatever, is a symbol of a broader trend to change the meaning of words and symbols so that they mean something different. Why? Because if you can change the meaning of the words, say, in a policy, you can change the policy without changing its wording. Same thing for contracts. If you can change the meaning of the words in a contract, the contract means something different now. Policy, law, contracts, you can change them with very little or no approval necessary outside of your own activist circle just by successfully changing the meanings of the words around and in those contracts or policies or laws. And we see this exact behavior very rampantly with a lot of words. Racism, anti-racism, diversity, sexual assault and misconduct, trauma, harm. And they get leveraged against us all the time, and this is all very consequential. A good example is defund police. Because it allows to push a very radical agenda alongside, simultaneously, in one two-word phrase, defund police, they can push an extraordinarily Radical agenda of defunding the police, literally, alongside what seems like a much more reasonable claim at the same time, which is to give them less money or to reboot how they operate or so on and so forth. This ambiguity and interpretation is not safe or smart. And again, it is not the stuff of people who are taking their positions or their roles seriously. It is the game of people who are trying to control things like a guru who are creating a system of dependence upon them to tell you what the words mean. Defund police means something very clear, very very specific that everybody in the world understands if they speak English. And when they try to tell you, no, it means this much simpler thing, this much less crazy thing. It means something else too. Don't worry, we'll tell you what it really means. That's a major problem. That willing, willful, I should say, aim to introduce a fuzzy, two-meaning situation into a statement like defund police is not to be trusted. It's a totalitarian demand that's actually asking us to trust them to define the words as they need to be defined in the moment to their advantage. We see this with the redefinitions of violence, Uh, the word violence uh, to include certain forms of speech but at the same time not vandalism or destruction of property. So you see this with uh, our 1619 Project friend, Nicole Hannah-Jones. She's talked about how destruction of property doesn't constitute violence. You see it from an instructor at Harvard Medical School, President of Physicians for a National Health Program, uh, Adam Gaffney, writes um, public service announcement, damaging property is not, has never been and never will be, violence, conflating the two is an insult, to those who have actually suffered from violence. Uh, Technically, I don't wholly disagree. I do think that we have a right to defend our property. That's pretty clear. Um, We have a right to own and defend our own property. Whether we call it violence or not can be a semantic issue. But if we're going to say that, um, saying, you know, if we're going to disagree with the The woke agenda constitutes hate speech that's a form of violence or that disagreeing with with certain aspects of various ideologies, whether they're racial or whether they're um, you know, like critical race theory, or whether they're like the the trans rights movement, which is barely about trans rights and is actually a very aggressive movement. That would those statements that I just made are technically violence. If we're going to say that those are violence, I'm pretty sure that we can go ahead and also classify property damage as violence. And when you have people who are going around saying, quoting the academic literature, Cheryl E. Harris saying whiteness is property as a means of and, and then property destruction is not violence. Yeah. So destroying whiteness is also not violence. I mean, this becomes a thing, right? Because then white people automatically benefit. This is a this is not the way to go. I'm not getting into some weird white genocide thing or anything like that. This is Me pointing out that people who are being intentionally unclear with important language are not people we should put our trust into. They are, they are, this is the totalitarian move. This is not the way to do responsible policy in a functional society. And it's again, it's tied right into the two plus two equals four thing. Um... Again, the point of consistency that we see across all of this is that there's some woke advantage in interpretation each time. With violence, it's the woke advantage to be very expansive with the idea of violence, to include speech they don't like, and it's to their advantage to be very narrow to say that property damage doesn't count. So they're playing both sides of that argument, and the, the point of consistency is we will define the term in each context according to our advantage. Trust us. We, You know, this is this is not something good. Um... We also see it in the in redefining the purpose of education, education or teaching as a political act, changing the move from critical thinking to critical theory to critical pedagogy to turn education into a project, not to teach our students or children to think better and more adequately for themselves, but rather to have a critical consciousness where they see these so-called problematics in everything. The attempt to build a 2 plus 2 equals 5 ethnomathematics or ethnic studies mathematics program as Shrada Shirude, whose handle on Twitter refers to ethnic studies math activism, said, quote, help me respond to all of those haters who said my ethnic studies framework claimed two plus two equals five. How can we turn this into a true statement? This is embedded within the program that Shirude, as we talked about earlier, uh, this arose from her having to defend her, her the questions being asked in her Seattle based ethnic studies program including mathematics. We can look at that document on the uh, state website, the government website. And um, so we have subject heading in their mathematics document for ethnic studies mathematics. Subject heading, it's almost all questions. So broad question, where does power and oppression show up in our math experiences? This is something to take into our K-12 through education program, by the way. That's that's a leading question in this program. Where does power and oppression show up in our math experiences? Under this heading, you have a few topics like who holds power in a mathematics classroom? Who gets to say if an answer is right? Can you recognize and name oppressive mathematical practices in your experience? Why, how does data-driven processes prevent liberation? The grammatical error is in the original. This is what they want to teach In place of mathematics is explorations of questions like this. And another subject heading, quote, what does it mean to do math? A topic under that is, how important is it to be right? What is right? Says who? The broader context of theory is that you always have to ask whose interests are served by a hegemonic discourse. So whose interests are served by something like 2 plus 2 equals 4 and whose interests are harmed by that? And if it turns out that white Western perspectives in mathematics are are benefiting from 2 plus 2 equals 4, they are to be held with suspicion. Again, how important is it to be right? What is right says who? Another subject heading How is math manipulated to allow inequality and oppression to persist? Further down, it gets asked, what is legitimate as math? So this is an attempt to remake mathematics to be about this stuff. I've had a chemistry professor reach out to me to talk to me about the emergence of ethnochemistry. Ethnic studies is being put up. It's already the case that ethnic studies is required in uh, the Seattle school system. It's just recently been brought into the University of California uh, collegiate system, university system, and it's on the table in a very radical form that uh, the proposal is available online in the entire state of California K-12 system, which talks about literally how we have to focus on things like, I don't even know how to pronounce this, I'll say herstory instead of history, because you have to get rid of the his at the beginning, H-I-S, wouldn't replace it with her, H-E-R, except they didn't replace it with H-E-R, they replaced it with H-X-R, And in the original document which has now changed they said that it is ex-disciplinary and then listed about a bajillion things including no discipline whatsoever as the disciplines in which this ethnic studies is going to be brought into all of the subjects and again this is supposed to be k-12 through so this will be our math classes our science classes our history classes according to some guy in chicago we're not even going to have those anymore because they uphold white supremacy to teach history apparently but if we were to replace them with ethno-history All of them become a vehicle to teach critical social justice, consciousness raising in place of doing actual subjects. This is what they want to bring into our our, our classrooms with our kids. The argument on Twitter, again, the argument on Twitter over 2 plus 2 equals 5 was uh, actually initiated by an activist who is highly placed secretary director of a program to bring this into the Washington State school systems. Two plus two equals five. Explicitly, how do we turn this into a true statement in order to defend my program, my activist program I'm trying to remake our education system with? It's not a small fight. It's not a Twitter spat. It's so hard to communicate that. It's so frustrating. In a bigger picture, a little bit, as I mentioned, we can kind of start getting closer to wrapping up. The purpose of all of this is to undermine our ability your ability to comprehend stable meaning while maintaining intact the activists' ability to make words and symbols mean whatever they want them to mean in whatever context works to their advantage. This is the kind of thing that is precisely what George Orwell laid bare in his iconic novel 1984. They get really upset. They're trying to cancel Orwell now because Orwell is showing them to be what they are. I'm going to quote a relevant passage from, I think it's chapter seven of part one, but I'd have to check again, an extensive passage from 1984, George Orwell, uh, to give you an idea of the flavor of what he was talking about. Quote, He wondered, as he had many times wondered before, whether he himself was a lunatic. Perhaps a lunatic was simply a minority of one. At one time, it had been given... At one time, it had been a sign of madness to believe that the earth goes round the sun. Today, to believe that the past is unalterable. He might be alone in holding that belief, and if alone, then a lunatic. But the thought of being a lunatic did not greatly trouble him. The horror was that he might also be wrong. He picked up the children's history book and looked at the portrait of Big Brother, which formed its frontispiece. The hypnotic eyes gazed into his own It was as though some huge force were pressing down upon you, something that penetrated inside your skull, battering against your brain, frightening you out of your beliefs, persuading you almost to deny the evidence of your senses. In the end, the party would announce that two and two made five, and you would have to believe it. It was inevitable that they should make that claim sooner or later, the logic of their position demanded it. Not merely the validity of experience, but the very existence of external reality was tacitly denied by their philosophy. The heresy of heresies was common sense. And what was terrifying was not that they would kill you for thinking otherwise, but that they might be right. For, after all, how do we know that two and two make four? Or that the force of gravity works? Or that the past is unchangeable? If both the past and the external world exist only in the mind, and if the mind itself is controllable, what then? But no... His courage seemed suddenly to stiffen of its own accord. The face of O'Brien, not called up by any obvious association, had floated into his mind. He knew with more certainty than before that O'Brien was on his side. He was writing the diary for O'Brien, to O'Brien. It was like an interminable letter, which no one would ever read, but which was addressed to a particular person and took its color from that fact. The party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. It was their final, most essential command. His heart sank as he thought of the enormous power arrayed against him, the ease with which any party intellectual would overthrow him in a debate, the subtle arguments which he would not be able to understand much less answer. And yet he was in the right. They were wrong, and he was right. The obvious, the silly, and the true had got to be defended. Truisms are true. Hold on to that. The solid world exists. Its laws do not change. Stones are hard. Water is wet. Objects unsupported fall toward the earth's center. With the feeling that he was speaking to O'Brien, and also that he was setting forth an important axiom, he wrote, Freedom is the freedom to say that 2 plus 2 make 4. If that is granted, all else follows. So this is all a part of a much bigger issue than whether or not 2 plus 2 equals 4, which is clearly a small thing. In my piece about this issue on new discourses, my long piece, 8,400 words, I said that this untangles the very logic of civilization if we admit that we don't have 2 plus 2 equals 4 as an objective truth. 2 plus 2 equals 4 or not is a battleground over whether or not we will cede objectivity to people who want to control how we think by taking it away from us. They want to control how we learn by destabilizing meaning and then setting themselves up as the only true arbiters of meaning itself. So let's turn back to George Orwell. Uh, this is actually not from 1984. This is uh, written in 1942 following his involvement in the Spanish War. Um, and we'll want to know that, note that, of course, 1942 was during World War II as well. So Orwell wrote, it is just this common basis of agreement with its implication that human beings are all one species of animal that totalitarianism destroys. Nazi theory indeed specifically denies that there is such a thing as the, that such a thing as the truth exists. There is, for instance, no such thing as science. There is only German science, Jewish science, etc. The implied objective of this line of thought is a nightmare world in which the leader or some ruling clique controls not only the future but the past. If the leader says of such and such an an event, it never happened, well, it never happened. And if he says that two and two are five, well, two and two are five. This prospect frightens me much more than bombs, and after our experiences of the last few years, that is not a frivolous statement. So we'll compare Nicole Hannah-Jones about the 1619 Project as she said, quote, The fight here is about who gets to control the national narrative, and therefore the nation's shared memory of itself. One group has monopolized this for too long in order to create this myth of exceptionalism. If their version is true, what do they have to fear of 1619? As for 2 plus 2 equals 4, I want to remind you, they chose this battleground. They decided They wanted to make 2 plus 2 equals 5 into a true statement so that they could defend their activist agenda in our educational system. They chose this battleground because they had to. It is the rock bottom point of their ideology. Freedom is the freedom to say that 2 plus 2 make 4. If that is granted, all else follows.